The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Uh, We are here coming to you from Salem, New Hampshire, and we are going to talk about boarding your dogs this week. Um, There was this tragic story that was getting tossed around the Internet, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what to look for, what to worry about, all of these things. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. And let me get my pig. Good job with the pig. And the quirky tip of the day is do a little bit of research yes. before you board your dog at a new facility or a business that you're not familiar with. Don't assume um, all dog professionals are created equal. So, And I'd go one step further and say do a test run. With, yes. If you want to go away for That's a week a or 10 days, two weeks on a big vacation, take your dog to wherever you're planning on keeping them. For a weekend, one night, two nights. Yeah, See how and this it goes. is this today. We're going to talk not only about boarding, but also like board and train programs because that's a big thing, and there's a lot of stigma around that. And just really, what it means to have someone else watching your dog. I mean, it's very. We barely leave ever. Like we are always very concerned about where our dogs are and who's watching them and everything else. Yeah, so I think we've touched on this a few times in different podcasts, but uh, we just um, read the story recently about someone that lost a dog at a. At a, it was a dog daycare. It wasn't even a it board was a, and train it facility. Was a, well, they do training, but this was, the dog was in for boarding. It was Canine University in Chicago. They've since taken down all of their social media. And what did you think when I sent you the, the write-up that the trainer had said? I mean, it was pretty appalling. It was just irresponsible. It was an accident, um, and accidents can happen. Obviously, there wasn't protocols in place to prevent this type of accident from happening. But also the fact that it was kind of covered up was the worst part of the whole thing. Yeah. That they didn't come forth immediately to try and save the dog, get the dog help, contact the owners, and get everything out in the open as quickly as possible. Because that's the only way you should handle these things if something like that is going to happen. Yeah. So what happened with this particular place is they do like a pickup drop-off service, which a lot of places do, and it makes the mornings easier for people that work, you know, during the week and everything else. So. They went around and picked up a bunch of dogs, and the dogs, I guess, are loose. They're not actually crated while they're being transported, and, you know, some places do that, some places crate, but for safety's sake and for, you know, a head count's sake and everything else, crates are normally a good way to go. So there was a dog that was left in a van from 7 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., which is a long time. It was 86 degrees that day in Chicago, and this happened to be a husky. And um, when it was uh, found, it was still alive. It had, you know, feces on it and urine, and it was going through a lot, obviously, with its body. And it sounds like, from the way that this trainer who worked there told the story, that they didn't call a vet, they didn't, or they tried to call a vet, but they didn't bring the dog to a vet, and they tried to kind of cover this up, and then the dog, unfortunately, passed away in their offices. And, I mean, reading... The story and the comments and then also the training facilities, you know, response to all of this and the comments there. I was physically ill this week. I mean, it was like very, very hard for me to see. And I think part of that is because obviously we love dogs and we care about dogs. But like Scott and I do this for a living. Like we take other people's dogs and it is like a 24-7, this is what occupies who we are, what we do, 2 a.m., anytime. Like we are always thinking of those dogs. So I guess the negligence really kind of hit me to my 
my core and just, it made me physically ill. It was terrible. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that get involved in the dog industry. Um, you know, advertised as a multi-billion dollar pet industry. Yes, completely. And people that are not dog trainers. Um, or dogs, anything. Yeah, they just want to, you know, they, uh, and I've met a few people like this that have opened facilities and purchased facilities where they made a lot of money in the stock market in some type of financial endeavor. And so they want to get involved in dogs. They think, oh, this will be cool. And they buy a, a, a building and they make a dog daycare. But they have no plans of actively being involved. And once they are, they realize this is a lot of work. This is not a fun investment. And leaving some kids there that are making, you know, a dollar over minimum wage that don't have a lot of training and getting as many dogs in as possible to make as much profit as possible is really a recipe for a lot of bad stuff to happen. There's a lot of fallout there and the money, it does come in and it is good money and everything else. But I mean, there were accounts that like in daycare yards, there are about a hundred dogs in some yards and only two people watching. There were people that were just living in the neighborhood saying that the way that the drivers drove was reckless. There were previous clients posting pictures of like scars that their dogs came home with previous employees talking about, you know, practices and covering things up and lack of cleanliness and even some sexual assault. I mean, it just sounded crazy. It just yeah, sounded just not a good. A lot of that is hearsay. We don't need to, I don't even want to go down that road with that company because we weren't there. We don't know it. We, we don't, only, so but we know there, that a dog the, passed the away. amount of number of comments and everything yeah. else in these threads was just insane. So we're going to talk about what to look for and everything else, because what was interesting to me is one person you know, I, I read for a little bit and then I just had to put it away. And now the thread that the training facility had up is gone because they've taken down all of their social media because it was all so scathing. But, um, one person commented and said, this is systemic with any boarding facility or with any place that does board and trains or any place that basically works with dogs. And I kind of want to touch on that today and give you guys some tips of what to look for, like what good things that you could be looking for, what attributes would you want to see in a place. And there are safe places to leave dogs. It happens every day. Dogs come home, they're happy and everything else. So to me, this is not a systemic problem. And I would say that mostly just because this has been my blood, sweat and tears for a decade and you almost two decades. I mean, how long have you been gone? 20 years. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what we've done. Like this is not with Without problems. Yeah. We've had health issues Stuff with comes dogs. up. Yeah, we had a dog that got a spider bite one time. The whole foot swelled up, ran the dog to the vet, had to soak this uh, boxer's foot in Epsom salt for two weeks to heal the dog's foot because it got bit by a spider. Things happen. But we told the, the owner immediately. We had the dog to their vet, and we had to do that care on top of what we were trying to accomplish in the first place, which was we had to postpone training because now we're caretakers to were nursing this dog back to health. You know, yeah, we kept the dog for longer and everything else. And I think one important thing to bring up is when you are talking to places, what do you do if something goes wrong? What do you do if my dog does have a health issue? And very few uh, places have an actual like veterinary staff or anything like on site. There's never really any professional that works there. So what we always do, and this just happened recently with us, I drove a dog to a local vet. We get the name of their vet. And you know, their vet should be local to wherever you're boarding or wherever your dog's going to daycare. And if your vet is available, your vet knows the dog, your vet has the history and everything else. So we always try to do that. We bring the dog to a vet that, you know, is familiar with the animal. And if they have a vet they work with, that's fine. But who is that vet? And 
maybe you go and do a little Google research and see the reviews of that vet clinic and everything else. And you want to make sure that there's a plan in place for if something goes wrong. You want to make sure you're alerted. This was kind of covered up, it seemed, and the owners were not necessarily alerted until the dog was no longer with them. Like, it was not good. What do you do in these situations when there is an emergency? How do you put these things in place? Scott talked about doing a test drive. Super, super good idea. This happened, what was that place in Boston that had the Roddy? Oh, yeah. What yeah. was the what was the city it, Brookline or something? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It the name was of the place, uh, it doesn't matter the name of the place, but there was this uh, little daycare in the suburb of Boston. Well, it, was, it was one of those real nice high end yes. boarding facilities that has the glass, and you look in, and there's a whole bedroom, like a human bedroom, in there for the dog. That's a suite that would be you know more than leaving him in a dog run, for example. Yeah, so it's a really nice facility, and you can just book online at a place yeah, like the, that, which is no convenient. evaluation of the That's dog. That's convenient, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like everything is going to go well once the dog gets there. That dog turned out to be way too much for yeah. that specific facility. Well, that, that dog was too much for anybody. Yeah, that dog us. was barely. It was a, it was a dog. <laughs> he was, was barely a, welcome uh, with uh, us towards the end. It was a Rottweiler <laughs> that had aggression issues. But the and guy ended up driving. They called him at like midnight, and they're like, "Dude, come and get your freaking dog. We cannot handle him." Yeah, he drove afraid. from uh, I think New York, New Jersey to Boston. Brought the dog to us in Amesbury. Then he had to drive back to DC for his you know trip, and it was a lot on him. But they said we can't deal with this. Well, that's partially the facility's fault, also that they were just allowed to go online, just check him in, online, pay. Yeah. yeah, like that should be a little bit of a red flag. That's just kind of quick turnover, quick everything else. How do you feel when you go there? I think that is really important. Just like gut intuition about. Yeah. And How you does should it smell? S- oh my gosh, How yes. How does it smell? You know, another thing on the side of the, uh, the dog care providers, a lot, we've had several dogs come in with health issues, existing health issues that we spotted immediately within 24 hours. To the point where we started getting health certificates on every friggin' dog. Before they came in, we wanted to see that this dog has been checked out and it's healthy. We've had dogs come in with rotting teeth so bad, the smell was coming off of them. And Jess would stick a thermometer in their butt and they had a temperature from rotting teeth. We had a dog come in that had a... In the evaluation, the dog didn't have a cut. But on the day of the drop-off, it was for a long weekend over Thanksgiving, it had a laceration on its hip. At, from running in the woods Small, or I mean small, so it but it big. was licking it. It was licking it and had a lot of aggression issues, and we had to cone the dog, and that was an ordeal, and that was day one. Especially since we didn't have a relationship yeah, with the dog so yet. so I called the lady and said, come get your dog back. When that laceration is healed, then we'll start training. And she had to come back on Thanksgiving Day and get that dog because we could see the potential for, an, and this is a two-week thing, that hip could have got way out of whack from licking and for us to cone that dog every day with the level of aggression that dog had we weren't getting i wasn't getting a chance to establish a relationship yeah. with the dog first We're thing we had to do was hold it down it with put megaphone. the cone on it <laughs> yeah big you know big fight and that's how the dog was getting to know us is the people that came and coned it had to take it off and on two three times a day so the dog could eat and uh, so we really got into that paranoia of okay every dog has to have a health cert and honestly, that's not a, if somebody asks you for that, that shouldn't offend you. Health certs are not that expensive. And it actually that's works just, in your favor because yes. the dog's healthy. You want to see the dog come home exactly. healthy. You could even do it for your own sake. If you're boarding somewhere, just have your vet. I mean, vets are very busy right now after COVID, but have your vet give the dog a once over. And I want to talk about this smell thing real quick, because that is so true. I'm glad that Scott brought this up. So many people will be like, oh, it's dogs, you know, dog smell. We had a company, a dumpster company. We didn't go with them. I don't remember what they were called. They wouldn't but go with us. The guy. 
I the, maybe they. I'm not for, sure. For I don't know. It was it was another I, whatever. We when we had our facility in Salisbury, we had a three year lease. There it was a 4,200 square foot facility, and we had a, a license for up to 50 dogs at a time. And I had these nice, you know, agility mat floors, these comfort king floors, rubber floors. And the guy walked through the facility, the guy that worked at the dumpster company, and he goes, "Well, this will be the last time it smells like this in here." And I didn't really get too upset, but I swear to you, we sold those floors to another facility, and that place really didn't smell much different the last day we moved out. Like, I had that place cleaned every single week. Like, there is no reason We had that, professional cleaners come yes, through and clean that Yes, there is no reason, place. even if it's a kennel setup, it can get hosed off, that a dog place should smell foul. I used to get dog food at a place in Nashville. I stopped going to get raw dog food there because I couldn't even stomach walking in and smelling the smell, and then the, you know, scentsy stuff stuff that was trying to offset it. It just made me nauseous. So just because there's animals doesn't mean it needs to smell. Even the volume of animals doesn't need to smell. There's a very well-run place in New Hampshire, Amherst, New Hampshire. They have agility trials there all the time, tons of daycare there all the time. It's not just a huge stench factor. Like, it's kept up. So that is a very good indication about how does the place smell when you walk in and do you feel good about it? I would say noise is something. I mean, Getting back to how, you know, the smell. The yard where the dogs uh, pee and poop, take a peek out there if you're allowed yeah. to. Does it, is it picked up yeah. or is it filled with poop from four or five days worth of dogs pooping out yeah. there where some dogs are eating it, other dogs are stepping in it? You know, it's, it's basic stuff. But if the owner isn't on site, a lot of that stuff doesn't happen until once a week the owner comes by, yells at everybody, and they go through and clean it up and, and then they deal with it later. You know? Or less. And I think that's important. Scott's really touching on this a lot. And... It's a hands-on industry. When oh, you're I, in the and dog... I just want to, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If they don't let you even go yes, into the back, yeah. I, wouldn't even, yeah. I wouldn't even consider leaving my dog at a place where they won't let me see where the dogs play, where the dogs sleep, where the dogs poop. And that's happened with us. I Many mean, it's times. happened... Uh, even we had a rental in Tewksbury before we had a facility when we first got together. A little tiny rental in this small suburb of Boston. And this couple, they were a very nice couple. They had a little lab puppy. They said, hey, we want to come see where the dog stays. I'm like all right, have them over to the house. Like yeah. it was no pain, no gain. They did a boot camp with us, but like, it's not, we have nothing to hide. There should be no reason to hide no. anything. And if they're not comfortable with the setup, then don't come. Yeah. That's and the other side. It's don't totally, bother. it's one thing. I'm not saying that you have to go and pet every dog there that's at the daycare and everything else, but you should at least be able to look, have a visual like, you know, cause we did that. That was a, uh, we had a no policy of strangers going into the dog room. Cause I didn't want to upset the energy of the dog room at that at Fenaris, but which was a very legitimate yeah, concern. and we had dogs with aggression. We didn't need them all going up and getting all worked up, but we still, I could show that whole room. They could look through a window and they could see what that looked like, how dogs were kept and everything else. So that's a huge point. If you want to see where your dog is going to be staying, sleeping, how it's kept, everything else, you should be able to. And if that's a big like, oh no, we don't do that. That's not our policy. That should be a red flag, hands down. Yeah. Another thing I would say, which is a pet peeve of mine and everyone has to deal with it that has dog daycare is the release of liability form that you sign when that dog goes into dog daycare, which says, uh, basically, dogs will be dogs. Sometimes it's fighting. We keep an eye on them. But if something happens, it's not our fault. And that's the, you know, when everyone signs that, I think that that kind of, when the owner knows that that's, and these are in the places where there's a lot of problems, they feel like, well, it's not my problem. I mean, if things happen, it happens. But, you know too bad. We'll do the best we can. Uh, if your dog is coming home yeah. once a week with punctures in its ears and its neck and this and that, 
find another place because that yeah. means that there's fighting going on. There's stuff happening that shouldn't be happening there. Your dog shouldn't come home with punctures and little scabs. Yeah, on there's its body. a lack of supervision. And, and, I, and I say that because I've had clients. I go to the house, I see the dog, I'm like, what's up with all this? And like, yeah. You know, the, goes, the dog goes to dog daycare. Well, that doesn't mean it should be getting in fights and getting beat up at dog daycare. It's that should creating, be a positive, not a, not a bad problems. thing for its yeah. body. All right, we're going to go to break really quick. And when we get back, we're going to give you guys smart tips to deal with all this stuff. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? howtocalmyourcanine.com. That's howtocalmyourcanine.com. Okay, so Scott's talking about, you know, especially with a daycare setup, if the dog's coming home with punctures, everything else, obviously stitches more than once should be a huge concern or multiple dogs with stitches, uh, you know, within a small amount of time. That's not normal stuff. A lot of daycares, dogs come home dirty. They're out, they're running, they're hiking in the woods, whatever else. That's all fine if you want to groom your dog, but that to me is not a big concern. That means the dogs are out running around, having fun, and whatever happens with the grooming and, you know, your house when the dog gets home, that's a different situation. They shouldn't be going home like they're ready to go to Westminster after they leave, you know, a situation like that. That's not their job. They're out, they're rough, and they're tumbling, and they're having fun. Yeah, well, if they're covered with dog poop, I'm not bringing my dog (laughs) back here, I tell you right now. Another thing I wanted to mention is, um, when a dog is going in for a boarding and training, I'm not talking about the daycare, but a, either just a straight boarding for several days or a boarding and training uh, situation, uh, the dog is going to have stress that first couple of days going in. New environment, they're not sure what's up. Their whole world is changing typically from the, whatever was going on at your house. The structure should be different in this boarding facility. And that is going to lower their immune system a little bit because of the stress. So if you have an older dog... Um, they're more susceptible to having some type of a, Loose a, a medical stool, issue. GI, yeah, now, something. keeping all that in mind, the last thing you want to do is fill that dog up with vaccinations the day before it runs in there or start them on a new food or start them on a new medication right before they get thrown into a new situation because it's going to make it way harder for the people that are caring for your dog and it's going to be a lot harder on your dog. They could be having an adverse reaction to this new food. You might think, oh, it's a good time for me to change the food. We'll give them a new bag of food as they go out the door. And I say this because people do yeah. this stuff. You need to do some adjusting at home. And you want yeah. everything to be as cohesive, cohesive as possible. And that's another good point, too. When we had our facility, and this was us, and this is because I am who I am with dogs and vaccines, we required a rabies uh, vaccine and a rabies cert, and that was that. That's was that. There are a lot of places that will list a whole bunch of things, kennel cough, distemper, parvo, all these things. And I'm not saying that vaccines are not important, but, uh, you know. Don't do them all in the same day. And also pick and choose. Like if there's a place that's a little um, more conservative about, you know, that they don't require all of those things, maybe you go there instead. If you have to give your dog seven things just to go somewhere, that maybe not, might not necessarily be a good fit. That might not be the best move long-term for your dog. And if you are going to give them all these vaccinations, stagger it over yes. a couple of weeks. Don't just go in and get, because you know, we're seeing more and more, the vets will just combine everything in one day. Yeah. And these dogs are having a real severe reaction. We had a client who just, their dog just went home. And the day the dog went home, I did a class with her. And she said, oh, I got to run to the vet now because the dog needs her boosters. It's a young pup. And um, 
the dog got lepto and something else combined. Distemper combined. Distemper, yeah. and the dog had a severe reaction. She had to run the dog back to the vet. The leg was swollen up. They she was really kind of listless. She described it. Yeah, and not to scare you guys, but just be thoughtful of those things. Had that puppy then gotten the booster and the rabies on the same day, that would have been a whole other thing for the system. So just... Pick and choose what works for you. And be an advocate for your dog. A hundred percent. And get to know these people. Like, are there, do you never see the same person when you go? Are there so many employees there that you just always feel like there's this constant, you know, turnover and cycle? Like there should be some figureheads. Who's the captain of the ship? Exactly. And can you meet the captain? And how do you feel when you meet the captain? And, you know, look at reviews. This is huge, you guys. It, it, things happen. Of course, you're going to have, you know, people bitching online and a negative thing here and there. But look at reviews and make sure that these people have been in business. They've handled multiple dogs for a while. They're not just fresh out of their certification and getting their feet wet with your dog. Like, the proof is in the pudding. And Sometimes word it- of mouth is a huge thing in this industry. Ideally, it's a, a, um, a dog trainer that is running this yes. business. because The more dog very, savvy, the better. It's a very hands-on business. It I has just had to a be. friend of mine text me this morning who was all frustrated with his business. And he has a successful business, boarding and training, daycare. And he's frustrated because he can't get away from it. He wants to be more hands-off so it can be a money-making business for him that he doesn't have to babysit every day. When you're dealing with live animals, it is very difficult to create this hands-off business as a do- as a business owner. If you're going to run things And that's ethically. why there's a lot of burnout. There's yeah. a lot of burnout in this industry because it is so hands-on. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, we had a dog one time. Um, it had a self-inflicted anxiety wound. And we were at a movie. The dog had a camera on it at a movie. The opening credits scrolled through, and it looked as though the dog could still access the spot. We got up from the movie at the opening credits and drove home. And I can't even remember if the dog had gotten to it or if we were just paranoid or what. But, like, that's how, like, tuned in we are. And I'm not trying to say, like, you know ask, you know, if people are bringing their cameras to bed and looking at your dogs. And, and that's another thing. I do want to bring up cameras. Some places have cameras. That's fine if there's cameras full time, but that necessarily isn't a prerequisite. But you have to make sure that someone is able to view your dogs or see your dogs or whatever else. I've been on the beach in St. John and our employee has been there and I can tell dogs to be quiet on the beach. Like we are very hands-on and that is part of the reason for our success. And I'm not meaning to toot our own horns or anything else, but I do want you to kind of have this buyer beware or shopper beware attitude when it comes to these things because stuff does happen. And like Scott said, a lot of people are just crunching numbers and many owners don't care that much. They'll just pay somebody off or, you know, tidy it up over here or whatever, compensate however. And these are our family members. This is a huge thing. We're entrusting someone with our animals. And of course, you know, something's going to happen here or there and there can be accidental things and everything else. But you want to make sure that the place that is watching your animal is as prepared as possible to keep them safe and happy and well. Yeah, it's a priority for them. Yes. And um, Scott... The dogs that we take in for training, the higher priority for them than getting trained is that they they come in healthy and they go home healthy. And they do get trained as well, but that's that's a huge part of it. Like, they can't go home. There's facilities... There was a a facility in... um, 
this area and all of a sudden things kind of got weird and they moved to Florida. The couple was arrested. They were arrested with 10 dogs in a U-Haul in yeah. Florida. Like it was like a crazy story. And yeah, they were on drugs. Yeah. The and kids like, were taken away. We from knew them. these people personally. Like this is, it's not, the dog world is not as like, oh, just fluffy, happy. Like everybody's great and everyone's fine. Do your research on who you're working with and where your dogs are going. That is a huge thing. And Scott mentioned food earlier and I want to touch on food. Some places will feed whatever they feed and that's their policy. And if that is where you go and that works for you, that's okay. I know that works okay for some places. I would prefer a place like we do that's going to cater to whatever you're already feeding. If your dog is on Oma's Pride Raw, that dog should be getting that. You should obviously be providing it, but that dog should be maintaining the same diet. It shouldn't be such a hassle that, oh, now I have to do the food for the dog. Like, no, these are just basic things. Yeah, we have freezers for whatever people give us. We make sure that that is what the dog is getting. There was a facility um, in, I think, Tewksbury or Lowell near us. Um, It's called the Dog Nanny. I really like that place too. They do a lot of... uh, uh, you know, dogs are out of crates. It's kind of like a home setup, but yeah. their protocols are so intense. When I went there, we left one of our dogs there when we hiked Half Dome because I'm like, I don't know, is she going to be able to be in a crate for five days? She's freaking old. You know, let's let her li- live on a couch. They took out her medicine. She was on DES and pro and for incontinence. They took out her pills and they counted every single pill upon check-in and upon checkout. Like that's pretty good protocols. And the more protocols you have in place, yes, sometimes it gets nitpicky and everything else, but the better run the place is going to be. I also want to say, about the dog nanny at that time i don't know what it's like now but they had 17 employees yes yes there, and there's a there, lot of dog daycares that have 100 dogs and two employees in terrifying in the of that. and that you know it's not to harp on daycare and it was all broken up by big dog little yes. dog energy of the dog they and, had different and different a runs. huge evaluation there like uh, if the owner is not ocd and doesn't kind of make sure the employees working under them are ocd in regards to cleanliness in regards to protocols in regards to animal sense in a certain way. You know, you, you need to have someone that has a little bit of animal sense there. That's a red flag. Like you need, you shouldn't, I'm not saying that you need to sit down and interview someone for an hour, but if you ask a few of these questions and they don't have answers to them or they have to defer to someone else, that's not a facility-wide protocol, you know? So these things, it's you know, not... And I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I know that when that one comment was made about that it's systemic in the industry, my gut immediate response was defensive. No, that's bullshit. It's not systemic. But I did a little video last year on uh, these boarding trains, and is your dog going to even survive it? And it was a you know, kind of a you know shock video, dramatic type video. But I did a five-minute Google search and was able to find like six different news stories of dogs that were killed in, not intentionally killed, but died in a board and train environment. And uh, it reminds me of even the English bulldog that they dropped off at the daycare that had yeah, a pool. And drowned. they said, it was in Arizona. And they said, listen, the dog can't friggin' swim. It's a bowling ball. Do not let it swim. Oh, no problem. We got you covered. The dog jumped in the pool and drowned. Yeah. And they, the dog was there for one day. Yeah. And, and I think... Drowned. I think um, just disclosure is a big thing. Just open communication is a big thing. There was a facility that put bark collars on dogs but didn't disclose that they did that in daycare and they got a lot of heat for that, as well they should have. But just be open with your clients. You need to keep the line of communication open. If something's happening, you need to let the owner know that it's happening. You need to be contacting their personal vet that it's happening. Like The open lines of communication are important. And no, you're not going to have 100% success with everything you do. But but you need to feel like you, these people are genuine, these people are on site, and these people 
freaking care because <clears throat> we really do. And I think that's why this whole situation for me was just so like gut wrenching and riveting is because like, I mean, I could sit here and start crying right now talking to you about how much we care about the dogs we care for. And it's true. It's, it's, it is the lifeblood of who I am and what I've done with my time for over a decade now. And it matters because I know how much my dogs matter to me. So we're taking care of other people's dogs that matter just that same amount to them. And that is a huge, huge responsibility. And it should not be taken lightly. No, and I've, um, through my meditation and whatnot... I'm doing a much better job, and I'm not joking when I say this, at letting go yeah. of all these clients and all these dogs once they leave our facility. Yeah. Because quite often, they don't get the care at home that we give them, and they're they're swallowing socks, having obstructions, eating corn cobs, and people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I can't watch the dog every minute. Meanwhile, we're watching dozens of dogs all the time, and have, rarely have any kind of incident, let alone an obstruction. And, that's and people the same have thing. one friggin' dog, yeah. and the dog is getting obstructed, and this and is happening, and that's happening. And accidents, of course, happen, but it's more so the case with the training also, is that you know people are all on their own journey, and we can only do what we can do, and we can show the result, but you know, people... Scott, letting go is true because part of the burnout in this industry, not to get too deep into the dog stuff, is that if you're carrying every client and every dog with you throughout every moment then it does get to be too much. It is too much of a burden. And the dogs you have in your care matter, you know, clients matter, keeping them happy matters and everything else, but people are going to do what they're going to do. And you, can, you can't care more than them. That's the bottom line. And we did that for a really long time. And of course we do when the dog is with us, but after that it's live and let live and we have to move on with our life also. Yeah. So we're trying to be positive on this topic. I don't want you guys to be afraid. No, of... There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good facilities out yeah. there. There's a lot of good daycares. I don't know if there's a lot. I personally know of some great daycares. We had, um, Noelle. Noelle out from New York, uh, did a podcast yeah. with us. She runs a great, uh, daycare. Um, there's a woman, CJ, that just sold her daycare and retired, but she ran a really tight ship and she was able to not be there a yeah, few days in Northern a week. Mass. She was there but, maybe two or three days a week. But she had the same people. It's same the same people faces. And, and more importantly, the same dogs. Yes. She didn't take in dogs all the time. She just had a certain amount of dogs. All those dogs knew each other. She had the Monday, Wednesday, Friday crew. She had the Tuesday, Thursday crew. Yeah. So it was always the same. There and wasn't I think, this dynamics changing I think constantly. that is a good point too. Not only familiar faces, but sometimes there's not familiar faces because there's a lot of employee turnover. And if there's a lot of employee turnover, then you want to talk about a systemic problem. Maybe the systemic problem is actually at the facility. So just do your research. That's all we can say is talk to people in town, post on local Facebook groups about these things, yeah. and look at reviews because now with everything being online, you really can get a good idea of stuff. And go with your gut, you guys. You know what feels good. You you know what feels good for your dog, what feels good for everything else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a fluffy pillow on a freaking, you know, couch that's the best thing for your animal. You need to make sure that these people know what they're doing. And what Scott said is probably the most important thing of the entire podcast. Make sure that these people are dog people. What's your background? How long have you been in the dog industry? <laughs> do you have protocols for if there's a fire, if there's a dog yes. fight? Like, yes. how do you guys handle that? These are not unreasonable questions to ask. Yeah, how did so, the last dog fight go? Yeah. If they say, oh, we never have fights. Well, if it's a dog daycare, there's going to be a fight in there once in a while. And these kids, and there are a bunch of kids working there, they should have some training on yeah. how to break up a fight. Because I, uh, about 10 years ago now, there was a guy that took a, bought a, do a dog daycare care, I'm sorry, that was pre-existing. He was from another industry altogether. And he fired all the employees because the numbers weren't working well enough for him. So he decided he was going to watch the dogs. He has no dog um, experience. 
Huge fight broke out. I mean, it was a really serious torn. fight. He got really torn he up. He was all chewed up. That One of the dogs almost died. It was a nightmare yeah. for him. It was like a living hell this guy bought, you yeah. know? And these types of things, they happen time and time again in the animal industry because people see the dollar signs and they look good. But the longer that something is running successfully with happy clients, the better. So if you need to leave your dog somewhere, just make sure you do your research. And um, there are good places out there. But and the more a, you know, the better. Do, do your due do diligence. Do some trial days, you know, yes. with, especially if you're going to be boarding and you go on a trip for a week or two. That's a long time for your dog to be in a situation that's not necessarily healthy for the dog. So um, just test it out. A little test run. Just like if you're going to drive a car, buy a car. A little test drive. Sometimes, though, people just buy a car in line. All right. We don't want to scare you, but this was an important topic that we wanted to kind of flush out with you guys. Um, Have a great week. We will see you next week. And if you need anything else from us, in the meantime, studio at thequirkydog.com. And keep it quirky. Peace. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.